Hey, Shepard, welcome to Digital Worship This Week. I'm Pastor John Corollas. It's good to be with you as we finish up our series, Love, Given or Taken. We've been spending three weeks together in the book of Romans, and now we settle into the book of Philippians, looking at some selected verses from the first chapter. And as we've been making our way through this series, we've sort of been narrowing our focus, beginning with a general concept of love and what its characteristics are in general. And then we started at the broadest level we could picture. What does it mean to love my country, to love my leaders, to love my neighbors through being a, a, a good citizen, through being someone that follows the, the instructions and the laws that the authorities God has placed above me have put into place over my life? And then we took a step further and we talked about love in the Christian community. What does it mean to love my brothers and sisters in Christ? To trust them with the faith that they have with God their Father. To know that it's okay for me not to judge them and their practices and their preferences, but to know that God has given us freedom as Christians to live in our relationship with Him. Well, today we take a step into the personal relationships we have with the people closest to us. And it's interesting that we find our way here in the book of Philippians. You might be thinking, well, we've been in, Philippi- uh, in Romans 12 and 13 and 14. Why are we not going into Romans 15 and 16? Why this jump into a whole other part of the New Testament? Well, it's interesting. The book of Romans, Paul wrote as kind of this authoritative figure to a group of churches, probably a number of them meeting in Rome and certainly the surrounding area. And this was a letter written to people that he didn't know as well. He hadn't spent as much time with them in their context. And so he was speaking from a more abstract kind of position. Whereas the book of Philippians, this is a church that he knows very well. This is people that he has grown with and spent time with and he understands the struggles they're going through. In some cases, it it makes sense. In some ways, it makes sense to us that the letter of Philippians is so much shorter than the book of Romans, 16 chapters versus just four chapters. And the tone of the book of Philippians, if you were to just take 15, 20 minutes and read through it all in one go, you'd feel this more personal tone, this less efficient, more, uh, more visitation kind of oriented tone. And it's because Paul knows these people so well. And that's why when we take this narrowed focus of what love is, is it something that we go and and find and take and shape for ourselves? Or is it something we receive, something that has been designed and given to us? We can find here in Philippians chapter 1, this, these, these more detailed, nuanced pieces of love. We hear Paul's personal pronoun as he's asking about his own feelings and how it relates to the needs of the people around him. We recognize his language in the context of the, the role that he has as God's servant rather than somebody who's just out there trying to, to understand life for himself. And we can learn from the instructions he gives those people and the model that he sets himself how we can exhibit this in our own lives. Because ultimately, when we walk through life, the picture we hear about love ultimately is that it's something that we have to come up with on our own. The world tells us that we need love. The world agrees that love is a big deal. It's an important part of our lives. It's central to the human experience. But then the world goes one step further to say, love is something that you need to figure out on your own. It's going to be different for each one of you. It's going to be shaped to your personality, to your preferences, to who you are, to your identity, to what you want, to what you're made of. And the truth in the Bible is that love is actually something that shapes us. Rather than us being uh, the one that creates love, that that harnesses our own meaning and, and shapes ourselves and our lives into what we need, we begin to understand that love as a gift from God actually shapes us. It gives us perspective. It gives us direction. It gives us certainty and security because He is the one who made us. 
rather than us kind of manifesting our own existence and then charting our own path through life, basically based on our own preferences, which by the way, change day to day, month to month, season to season, year to year, we are unreliable. Our preferences shift all the time. And God gives us this gift of love as something that can shape our relationships so that as much as we change and as much as the people we love change, the integrity of our relationship to them, the tone of our interactions with them doesn't need to change along with our preferences because as Christians, we have placed our certainty in something beyond us. So in other words, the point of today's message is really that the foundation of love needs to be something that is beyond, outside of you and I. Or if it's within us, if it shifts along with our preferences and along with the things that we want and the things that we chase in life, it's going to be hard to pin down. And it's also going to be an unreliable source of security and certainty in life. But if it's something that the eternal, unchanging God of the universe has created and put together and given to you and I, it becomes a reliable and secure foundation for us to navigate the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the changes of life day to day to day. And that's why it's such an exciting and beautiful gift for us to hear. So let's read through this section of verses in Philippians chapter 1 and then hear how Paul's own instructions give light into our own understanding and grasp of what love is and how we live it out in our personal relationships. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live... I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Well, let me just say, there's a lot to this reading and there are a number of messages and encouragements and teachings that we could spend in it together. And I wanna just give you a little bit of context before we pull out this teaching on love for us today. So Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi from prison. He has been in ministry for a long time and they have been supporting him. They've been sending him uh, 
gifts, the things that he needs, money, uh, other necessities. And they have been supporting his ministry for a number of years, for a long time. And he's walked with them and known them for these years together. And now he's older. He's been through a lot of suffering himself. He's been beaten. He's been arrested. He's been on trial. He's been before kings and before judges. And he is very likely awaiting his death as he is in prison at this time writing this letter. And so we get this darker, fatalistic, more serious tone from Paul because he knows that this could very well be one of the last letters that he writes. And so he's saying, listen, I understand my position. I am in jail. I am near death. I know that before me is death's door. And yet the tone that we get in this letter is not one of fear or one of resignation or one of a quiet acceptance of defeat. Instead, we get this bold, confident letter from Paul that says, listen, uh, I'm in jail and I may die soon, but things are actually really, really good. Listen, people here, the whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Jesus. How much better could things be? And by the way, the believers here, the others who are hearing my message and supporting me and are here in this place, they are even equipped to more boldly share the good news of Jesus. And so he's giving them this encouraging word saying, look, I know my situation looks bad from the eyes of the world, but know that for the kingdom of God and for the good news of Jesus, things are moving forward in a great and successful way, a very encouraging way. And then he says, "Um, I know that as you pray for me, the spirit of Jesus helps me. This will lead to my deliverance. And when we hear that word deliverance, we may think, oh, Paul is thinking he's going to get out of jail soon. But of course, the following verses where he lays out that it's either death before him or continued life in prison, it's not earthly deliverance that he's waiting for. No, Paul recognizes that deliverance from this life is what he's waiting for. Deliverance from his sinful flesh. And he's ready to go live in eternal glory with the God who has saved him, redeemed him, and brought him to a place where he is now an encourager and teacher in the faith. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean in this context of love? Well, this idea that Paul's certainty and confidence comes from a reality that's beyond his immediate senses is very key for us. He is finding his certainty and confidence not in his situation, not in hoping that God loosens his chains and lets him out of prison, even though that happened a number of times in his life. No, his certainty, his confidence, his excitement, His encouragement comes from a place of knowing that he is looking for something beyond this life, something outside of himself, something that's going to come only after his death, at the return of Jesus, at his own resurrection. Paul's excitement, Paul's confidence, Paul's certainty, Paul's foundation is that this life is nothing compared to the heavenly glory that is to come, the eternal reality with God. That's where this confidence comes from. And this speaks to you and I because we understand that love is not something that we need to wait on in this life to be confirmed. It's not transactional. And this is the big difference that I want to draw out for you today. The world tells us that love in our interpersonal relationships, our marriage, our relationship to our parents, our relationship to our kids, our relationship to our closest friends, love needs to be something that we get as much out of as we put into it, right? The world tells us this needs to be a fair transaction in order for it to work. Both sides need to lift the same amount of weight. And God gives us a different picture. Even in this reading where Paul's writing an encouragement from prison, we hear the streams of this truth coming through. Love in the biblical sense, in the godly sense, in the sense in which it was created to be, is entirely different than what the world is trying to tell us. 
Love in this sense, in the true sense, is something that cannot be described as a transaction. It can only be described as following the example of Jesus. Here's where this gets so exciting for me to share with you. Jesus' expression of love was, I'm going to put myself on the line for you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to pay the price for you. I'm going to give up everything for you so that you might enjoy the relationship I have with my father, so that you might be a brother or sister with me, so that you might know what it is to be fully human in the truest sense, in the pure sense, to know who you are as God's child. I'm going to pay that price. I'm going to open that door for you. That's what I want. It's not about me. It's not about me being recognized. It's not about me being remunerated or, or rewarded for this because, because Jesus knew he was the, the, uh, the ruler over heaven and earth. God gave him authority over all things. He had nothing to gain by coming into the world except for the redeemed brothers and sisters that he would win through his death on the cross. Well, that paradigm of self-sacrifice is applied into our interpersonal relationships of what love is. But we have no idea of what that could mean if we're trying to shape love for ourselves. We're creatures of survival. We want a life that makes sense to us. We want a life that we, that we prefer, that we desire, that we shape, that we can contribute toward. And so this idea of self-sacrificial love doesn't really make sense to us unless it's sort of an indirect altruism that leads to ultimately ourselves being rewarded by getting what we want. Instead, Jesus says, no, love in its pure sense is simply a desire to give totally of yourself. And when you give totally of yourself, you are engaging in the kind of love that God has for us. And so this is why this applies beyond marriage, beyond parenting, beyond siblings, beyond friendships. Christian love for our closest relationships gives us an opportunity to give our own lives to somebody else. And we don't need to get into kind of the messy details of, you know, obviously the love I have for my spouse is not going to be the love I have for my best friend. But what's true of both of those relationships is I am willing to give more because I'm not looking for reciprocation. Now, there's healthy boundaries that are good to have in relationship. But when we're talking about the relationships we have with those people that God has brought closest to us, He encourages us to follow Jesus' example and know that love is something that is found not here, but in Him. And when we trust God with our lives, when we know that He is the source of our good, He is the source of the things that we need, I'm not looking for it in somebody else, then this relationship with the other person no longer has that transactional tone. I know that God is my provider. He is the one that is going to give me what I need. He knows what I want better than I do. I'm living, I'm dying for him. And I am free then to engage in a loving relationship that's not tinged by transaction, that's not tinged by selfishness, that's not tinged by needing to be reciprocated. No, instead I'm invited into this freedom to say, whatever I get out of this relationship, I'm just going to love this other person. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to love my parents. I'm going to love my siblings. I'm going to love my children. I'm going to love my friends. I'm going to love my coworkers in a way that is not dependent on their own answer back. 
Now, God does some beautiful things in how he uses other Christians to create for us a, a, a reward for that kind of love. But when we frame it simply in this human you versus me uh, uh, framework, in that scope, in that picture and closed off, incomplete picture of reality, we miss out on the beauty of a relationship marked and found in its foundation in, in our connection with God. But when we go there, when we recognize that Jesus has paid the price for us to be connected to God the Father and that he is the one that's providing for what we need, then the relationships we have with the people God has called us into closest proximity with, especially when they're other Christians, take on a whole new dimension. And that's why it's so good that love is something that is given to us. If it's something that we take for ourselves, it's forever going to be limited. It's forever going to be incomplete. It is always going to leave us wanting more. But when we find out and when we take hold and when we receive from God love that he shapes for us, designs for us, gives to us, and then express that to the other people in our lives, we're not going to be left empty. We're not going to be left wanting more. We're not going to be left feeling like we haven't been reciprocated because God's love overflows and fills us more than we can contain. And that's where the, the, the sustenance for this kind of self-sacrificial love really comes from. Recognizing that the God of the universe gave all of himself so that we might know him, be known by him, and enjoy a relationship where we experience his blessings and love. I hope this has been a helpful series for you. I hope it's encouraged you in your faith. I'm excited to, to see and hear how you live this out in your lives in the coming weeks. Over the next month, we're going to be exploring the special relationship between music and the church, the historical songs that we have kept as part of our heritage in the church and how they can inform our reading of the Bible as we go through these five months of October together. But in the meantime, remember this great love God has given us. He truly has designed it for us and he has created us for it as well. The love of God that pours out toward others, exemplified in the person of Jesus, founded and, and, and made certain by him, is a love that we are invited to share and express to each other. May God bless you and keep you this week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.